The year was 1954. The Great Depression was over. World War II was over. And the generation that came out of those experiences, the baby boom, were becoming teenagers. Now, teenage was a brand new term, had never been used before the 50s. But this new generation that was finding their voice and finding themselves were looking for something to call their own. And what they were going to find was a young man who was born in a shack, Tupelo, Mississippi, in 1935. That's right, in this episode of The Eclectic Monk, we're talking Elvis. Don't go anywhere. I'll be, I'll be right back. Just got to find those blue suede shoes. I know they're around here somewhere. There's only a handful of people in history who are immediately recognized by their first name. And Elvis Presley is one of those people. Now, I, I love Elvis. I grew up listening to Elvis, watching the movies, and uh, just, you know, basking in the pop culture icon that he was. My mom was one of those teenagers in the 50s who loved Elvis. And so he's kind of in the background of my childhood. And the older I've gotten, the more I appreciate his talent and his contributions. So in this episode of The Eclectic Monk, I want to share with you what I consider five essential Elvis albums that you should have in your collection. These are five albums um, that I think tell the story of Elvis Presley musically and are just great records. The first one is a record called Elvis The Sun Collection. It was released by RCA Records in 1979, and it's simply a collection of The Sun Studio recordings. Now, the story goes like this. In 1953, Sam Phillips, who was the owner and the producer at Sun Studios in Memphis, Tennessee, had said, if I could ever find a white kid that sounded like a black kid, I can make a million dollars. Well, one afternoon, a young man driving a delivery truck pulled up, came inside with a beat-up guitar, and wanted to take advantage of their deal where you could plunk down $2 and record a two-sided acetate recording. Now, Sam Phillips was not in the studio that day. He was out doing something else, but his secretary set young Elvis Presley up, and as he began recording this record that he was making for his mother's birthday, she turned on the tape recorder because she realized here was a unique and interesting voice. Of course, Sam listened to the recording and was intrigued, but they had no way of knowing who this person was. He was just a kid who came in off the street and left again. Fortunately, a couple of weeks later, Elvis showed back up with another $2 to do another acetate. And Sam Phillips asked if he would be interested in doing some recording. Elvis, of course, was more than interested. And so he went into the studios with Scotty Moore on guitar, Bill Black on bass. And they began uh, working 
on what Sam Phillips was calling the new sound, something he was looking for. According to the records I've read, those first sessions, uh, they didn't start out very well. Elvis was really nervous and tight, and the other two guys were experienced studio musicians and a little bit older than Elvis. Um, and so Sam called a break, got up and went away from the board, and while he was gone, the three young men just began playing around and goofing on a, an old blues song called That's All Right, Mama. And when Sam Phillips heard that, he realized here was the new sound that he was looking for. He rushed back in. He said, guys, do that again. Do it just like that and have fun. And in that moment, what most historians consider to be the first rock and roll record ever made came into being. Now, it was, it was inevitable that black music and white music that R&B and country were eventually going to collide and mesh. At the time, radio was very segregated. You had black radio and white radio, and of course you couldn't keep white kids from listening to black radio, which Elvis did. You couldn't keep black kids from listening to white radio, which a lot of them did. And, and so this moment where you have elements of R&B and elements of white country collide and come out was truly the beginning of something brand new. And from that moment on, music was never going to be the same. And that's why I love this record, The Sun Collection. It's, it's, really, it's really a time capsule. It, it grabs hold of this moment when this incredibly new thing was happening and just the energy and the freshness and, and the voice and the mus musicality, it was just incredible. It's a fun, fun record. It's not boring at all. Uh, yeah, there's like multiple takes of the same songs. You can hear them, you know, giggle and laugh on some of the takes. It's really a, a fun thing to have. And I love it. It's one of my top two or three Elvis albums that I own. And I was really excited when I found it because it was on my list of things I needed. Elvis, The Sun Collection. You need that one. Well, by 1956, Elvis had been performing locally and uh, done a variety of things, gained some notoriety and, and a manager, a man named Colonel Parker. And Parker realized he had a great talent, and so he began negotiating uh, a record contract with a big record company, and Elvis ended up in 1956 signing with RCA Records. He goes into the studio and records Heartbreak Hotel, and the rest is history. With an a industry like recording and with a, a company as big as RCA, his records hit radio stations all across America and around the world, and immediately this new sensation was just catapulted forward. Elvis was the king of rock and roll. And between 1956 and 1958, Elvis recorded hit after hit after hit. In just a two-year period of time, a two-year period of time, Elvis basically wrote the book on what rock and roll and what rock and roll stars looked like. So the next record that you need is Elvis's 
Golden Records, released in 1959. This is a collection of all of those great early songs. Hound Dog, Loving You, All Shook Up, Heartbreak Hotel, Jailhouse Rock, Don't Be Cruel, Teddy Bear, Love Me Tender, on and on. This is a great collection of records. And you understand that albums were were relatively unknown in the 50s. It was a brand new thing. Most artists, like Elvis, were recording singles. People went out and bought the 45s. And this is just a collection of all of those hit records that he had put together. So this is it. This is the high point of the 50s, as far as rock and roll is concerned. And you may say you don't like 50s rock and roll, but I'm telling you, if you listen to these recordings, if you listen to the production quality on them, you listen to what's going on here, this is an incredible moment in music. And it reminds you just how great Elvis was. Elvis's Golden Records. You need this one in your collection. Well, in 1958, something else happened. Elvis got drafted. That's right. Elvis Presley was drafted in 1958. Uh, in 56, of course, he had got into movies. He did Love Me Tender. He did Jailhouse Rock. He did Kid Creole and a couple other films, which were actually pretty good films. And he had created uh, this persona of this rebellious young man, you know, with the, the curled, snarled lip and the waving hips and that, you know, give it to the guy, you know, we're, we're something new. We're this raucous, wild rebel. And so everyone was holding their breath to see what Elvis was going to do when Uncle Sam called. And what Elvis did was report for duty and get his head shaved and spend two years in the United States Army as a uh, tank battalion member. It was in Germany. While he was there, his mother died. Uh, and he, he could have probably gone into special services, but he didn't. He really just wanted to be an ordinary guy and to show to the other people in the barracks that he was just a normal person. It was really unexpected, and it shows a lot about who Elvis Presley really was as a human being. So after his two years of service, 1960, he comes back and uh, begins to try to pick up the pieces. Now, two years out of the spotlight, two years with no hit records, two years with no television appearances, two years with no production at all, is a long time in pop culture standards. It's, it's kind of a hard thing to come back with. Fortunately, Colonel Parker had uh, got Elvis signed to this seven-year movie contract, and so he still had five years to go on his movie contract when he, when he got back from the Army. And uh, so he goes into what we call the uh, movie phase of his career. And, you know, uh, starting with G.I. Blues and, and as he kept going, uh, you got to say Elvis's movies, some of them were pretty good. Uh, some of them weren't good at all. Uh, that's a whole different podcast. But what did come out of that period of time was a whole lot of really good songs. In fact, Elvis may have had his most um, productive years as a recording artist during the movies because each movie was a vehicle for him to go in. And, of course, you know, you have two ballads and three dance numbers and every one. That was the formula. 
uh, plus the title track. And so there's a soundtrack for every movie that he ever did. Um, and what you need, instead of trying to chase all of those down, is to get Elvis's Gold Records Volume 4. Now, I know I jumped over 2 and 3, I know. But Elvis's Gold Records Volume 4, I think, is a really good album. It's got You're the Devil in Disguise. It's got Love Letters, two of my favorite Elvis songs. And it kind of is a great snapshot of his music during that movie phase. Um, it's a really good record. And I would say if you have that one, you kind of have the best of that period of Elvis. So the Sun Recordings, Elvis's Golden Records, and then Gold Records Volume 4. Three essential albums that every person needs as you're working on your essential Elvis recordings. So, three down, two to go. Give me a minute to stretch my back and I'll come back and tell you about the last ones. Don't go anywhere. I hope you're at least learning something. I'll be right back. So 1968 happens. 1968, of course, was the summer of love. The Beatles released Sgt. Pepper's uh, and, of course, have turned rock and roll into something totally different than what Elvis had turned it into in 1958. And with eight years of mediocre movies under his belt... The king of rock and roll had kind of faded into oblivion. Yes, he had a pretty strong fan base, but he wasn't really considered to be a serious musician compared to the musicians that were climbing to the top in 1968. So Elvis decided to get back in the game. And he went on television with a TV special simply called Elvis. We call it the 68 Comeback Special today. And in it, he went in and he showed the world what an incredible vocalist and charismatic performer he actually is, or was. And one of the great parts of that special is this segment where it's just him and his band, you know, Bill Black, Scotty Moore, D.C. Fontana, just kind of sitting around in a circle playing old songs. Elvis has got his black leather suit on with his guitar there. And, and he was actually a really good guitar player. He was a pretty good piano player. He was a fantastic vocalist and a great uh, producer. He, he knew what he wanted things to sound like. He was, he was a much smarter musical talent than people take him to be. Well... The 68 special put him back on the map. And then in 1969, he got out of Nashville, left RCA recording studios, went back to Memphis into uh, Chips Mullman's studio and recorded what would become From Elvis in Memphis. And this is, is a great record. And I'll be honest, it's one that I still need to find. I have been looking for it for years now. Uh, I have found held several copies of it in my hand and every time I pull out the vinyl is just trash and I, I cry a little bit because I need this record. 
and my collection. There was another album that came out of the same sessions called Elvis Back in Memphis, which I have, and it's a really good record too, but From Elvis in Memphis is, is a, a great record, and it reestablished Elvis as a serious musician. The big hit was In the Ghetto, which of course was written by Mac Davis, if anybody cares, uh, but was topical, 1968. Uh, this was an important song, and it, it put Elvis back, not only on the radio, but back into the consciousness of music lovers in America. We realized that Elvis was a really, really talented performer, and this is a really good album. Again, I need this one, so uh, we all need Elvis from Elvis in Memphis. If anybody who knows me finds a copy, I'll, I'll be glad to pay you back. But the vinyl's got to be good. I don't care about the cover. just care about the vinyl. Anyway, after From Elvis in Memphis, uh, in 1969, Elvis began performing again. It's hard to believe that the king of rock and roll went for eight years without a public performance. But in 69, he starts... Uh, he went and uh, on stage at the International Hotel in Las Vegas. And he began what is known as his uh, Vegas phase, which I love. I love this later phase of, of Elvis's career. Um, and in 1970, he released a movie called That's the Way It Is, and an album that was not necessarily the soundtrack, but of the same name, Elvis, That's the Way It Is, uh, kind of a supporting record to the movie. And I remember, uh, again, I would have been seven years old when this movie came out. I remember going to see it with my family. I remember sitting in that movie theater, mesmerized by Elvis, larger than life on the big screen, uh, just performing. And I knew at that moment that I wanted to do that. In my entire life, uh, the, I have still love being on stage, playing music, performing, and, and singing. I, I, I knew I wanted to do it when I was seven, and I still, I still love it. And uh, so I can say for my own personal life that Elvis Presley had a real impact on me. That movie had a real impact on me. And this album, That's the Way It Is, is my favorite Elvis record of all time. It's just full of great songs. The, the, it's eight studio recordings and four live songs. So it's not really a live album. It's not really a soundtrack. It's something kind of different. But this guy, you know, I just can't help believing. It's got uh, Patch It Up. It's got You Don't Have to Say You Love Me. You've Lost That Loving Feeling. Uh, finishes up, of course, with his version of Bridge Over Troubled Water. Just an incredible album. And when I'm in an Elvis mood, that is generally the album I pull out first to listen to because uh, I don't care if you like the jumpsuits or not. If you think Elvis jumped the shark when he put on the jumpsuit, you haven't listened to the music. Listen to the live tracks on this album and you'll really realize what an incredible band Elvis had. You'll realize how how tight these guys were. 
Uh, there's another record that came out about the same time. It's called Live on Stage, February 1970. Same series of concerts. Really, really good album. I would say it's my favorite live album that Elvis put out. And he, he did several later in his career. Um, but that's the way it is to me. The production is better and just the song selection is better. I love this record. So, if you want a well-rounded collection of Elvis Presley recordings. You need the Sun Collection. You need Elvis's Golden Records. You need Elvis Gold Records Volume 4. You need From Elvis in Memphis. We all need that one. And Elvis, that's the way it is from 1970. If you've got those, you have the heart of Elvis and and there's so much more to explore, so much more to know. But these are the essential recordings that I think everybody should have. Well, I hope you found that at least a little bit interesting. And uh, until we meet again, well, you have a new soundtrack for your travels. Turn on some Elvis. He was great. And enjoy the journey. And until you get there, may the Lord richly bless you and watch over you as you go. And remember, no matter where you are, you are loved. Thanks again. See you next time. Hey, here's a couple of uh, fun facts about Elvis that you might not have known. Did you know that Elvis had an identical twin? His name was Jesse. He was born 35 minutes before Elvis was but was stillborn. Almost had two of them. Did you know that in October of 1954, Elvis performed at the Grand Ole Opry in Nashville, Tennessee? It's the only time he ever performed at the Grand Ole Opry, and they said he was pretty good, but he really didn't fit their kind of music. Did you know that Elvis didn't have black hair? Nope, the black was right out of a bottle. He was actually Sandy Blonde. Did you know that Elvis recorded over 665 recordings? Some estimate as high as 711 mastered recordings from Elvis Presley. Did you know that he left the Army as a sergeant? He rose to the rank of sergeant. Did you know that he had 31 feature films? Not including documentaries or concert films. Out of all 31, only one, Charo from 1969, a Western of some dishonor, apparently. It's the only one that he did not sing a song in. Not a song anywhere. The critics said it could have used some Elvis music, but I've never seen it. And finally, did you know that his official cause of death was heart disease? That's it. Bye, Elvis. Hey, guys, can you believe it? Episode 50 is right around the corner. Stay tuned for the episode 50 extravaganza. It's going to be like nothing you've ever heard. Get the word out. Share it. Make sure people have lined up waiting to hear of the eclectic monk has got to share 50 episodes we're almost there 
Don't miss it. Be there.